All right, how you doing, everybody? And welcome to Under Two Capes. I'm your host, Jared, and it's a very important day today. Very exciting day, if I might say so myself. We are embarking on our first character analysis. Now, the way these are going to go is when it's character analysis day, we're going to take a character from Marvel or DC. We're probably going to start with DC and then do some Marvel. And then what we're going to do, we're going to start off with some facts about the characters, little known facts about the characters themselves. We'll talk about their evolution as a character. Then we'll talk about important, interesting storylines that they were involved in. Then we'll talk about a specific movie or like other mediums that they were a part of that kind of shaped how people see these characters. So let's hop into it. We're starting with Batman today. I figured start with him because he's Batman. Uh, so Batman was actually started in 1939, one year after Superman was established as a character by DC Comics. Interesting fact there. Now, fun fact, he wasn't always the dark, brooding, I talk like this guy. That's probably the worst impression of Batman I could do, but whatever. Anyway, it started, so you had the Adam West Batman, Batman TV cartoon. And that made Batman kind of a joke, like you have the bat shark repellent and all that. And it had been going back in the comics a little before the Batman TV series because you had like, because at that point the Comics Code Authority came in, which is kind of like ESRB if, for you gamers, but like the gaming rating system. And um, it, it was just supposed to, to regulate what went into comics. So they couldn't do anything super dark or, or edgy or even kill anyone. So the Comics Code Authority was established. Batman became more campy. Then you have the Batman Robin TV show, the one where like every time there's a punch, you see the pow up on the screen. But anyway, so then you have the Super Friends cartoon series, which may which further Batman's joke status because it's like he's like um, he's not brooding. He's not like speaking with that rough like I've been through some stuff voice. He's like. Okay, let's go fight some crime. It's it, it's kind of weird being someone who grew up in the Batman where he's like super brooding and punches criminals in the face <laughs> to watch the um those cartoons from the day. Anyway, so that lasted up until the point you had the comic book The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, I mean, no, The Dark Knight Returns or, or Rises with the movie. But um so in that one, it's kind of a dark it it not kind of, it's definitely a darker, darker series. So what we have there is that there's no superheroes around because the Justice League has been retired. Green Arrow is arm, uh, lost an arm. Wonder Woman returned to Themyscira permanently. It's all part of a government deal. Batman retired. Superman became a government agent. Hal Jordan, Green Lantern went to space. But what we have here is lots of interesting things. Like first off we have a female robin and then we have so this movie is also where you can see a lot of the inspiration for bat maybe superman because this particular comic established another sort of trend that has persisted in dc comics ever since that point and that whenever batman and superman meet for the first time in continuity they're gonna fight in some way they had this kind of in the new 52 in the justice league origin arc where they meet and they fight briefly and, and then they all team up and beat dark side but anyway 
So there was that, that Batman and Superman are always going to fight. And most likely Batman will win because he has contingency plans for his contingency plans for his contingency plans. But um, so there, yeah, Bruce Wayne, he starts getting really like, shall we say, disillusioned with the way things are going because crime is on the rise again because there's no Batman in Gotham City. And then what you have is... Now what you have is a lot of um a, a lot of crime. Obviously, you have a lot of these crime groups rising up. So Batman's like, okay, um, the heck with this. I'm gonna get involved. So he starts being Batman again. We actually see a couple of moments that when Batman be Superman because at one point he's holding a machine gun, and he's aiming at, at someone, and and the guy he's aiming the gun at goes, I'll, "I'll kill him if you don't let me go. Believe me, I'll do it." And then Batman's like, "I believe you." And then in the comic, he actually shoots the guy. In the Batman v Superman movie, he shoots the the guy's holding a flamethrower, and uh, uh, Batman hits the tank, and the flamethrower explodes. And then the movie adaptation, which I just recently watched, Batman shoots the uh, the gun out of the guy's hand. I don't know why they didn't just kill him there, because it certainly killed a lot of people there. <laughs> it's like the Batmobile, uh, the Batmobile in this universe, by the way, is a tank. Like it act, it makes the Christopher Nolan Batmobile look like a matchbox car. Like it legit has like machine guns, rocket launchers, mortars, flare launchers. It's like it's pretty much you could drop this in the middle of a war zone and be like, "You're good, go ahead." So that's when uh, that's really when um, the Batman uh, established the sort of outlook, if you will, that we know and love him for today. We did some interesting facts here. Actually, he's not the only person to hold the cowl of Bruce of Batman. Of Bruce Wayne is. So, in the final crisis storyline, it ended with uh, partly with Batman kind of being killed. It turns out he was just sent back to the beginning of time. But everyone thought he was killed. So what happened was his former protege Nightwing, aka Dick Grayson, took over the mantle of Batman until he returned because Gotham needed a Batman. So there was him as Batman. There was actually an Elseworld story. In, in case you're wondering, Elseworlds is the is the thing DC does where they have a scenario like, what if this happened instead of this? In other words, here's an example, and it goes into this story. In in this Elseworlds tale, Superman instead of landing in Kansas, lands like right on the on the Wayne's doorstep, kind of, and he be, essentially becomes Bruce Wayne. So his parents are killed. He has he becomes Batman because that's the whole story. His parents are killed. He becomes Batman to stop that from ever happening to anyone else. But combine the Batman with the powers of Superman. That's pretty much what you got there. Now, so that was that, which is kind of which is kind of cool when you think about it. Superman with the um, Batman with the powers of Superman. Kind of makes you wonder. That's really like really scary. So there was this. Now going on to other people who have helped, who have carried the cowl, if you will, was this one character, Azrael, which that's I think it's a really awesome name, uh, aka John Powell Valley, and he was. So actually, I'll, I'll get to where he comes in. So Batman's fighting Bane, and it's the classic story of when Bane breaks Batman's back and puts him in. Um, essentially and um or confines him to a bed for like a long time so again they need a batman so what happens is 
uh, Bruce Wayne's in the bed and Jean-Paul Valley becomes as uh, becomes Batman. That's where you get the Nightfall uh, Batman armor because that's what the story was called. But what we had is a, a Batman almost had a fight. Actually, I think he did have to fight Jean-Paul Valley to, to reclaim his cowl, if you will. So now that's enough for the facts. I'm actually going to go into. So I know chances are, if you listen to this podcast, you probably know the origin story of Batman. But I'm just going to do it anyway. Again, in case there's a comic book fan, in case there's a fan listening to this who doesn't know any of the story. So you have Bruce Wayne. His parents take him to a movie, which I believe was The Mask of Zorro. They kind kind of changed that in the move in the uh, in, in the movies and the comics, depending on which continent you look at. But currently, it's the it's the Zorro movie. So they go into this alley called Crime Alley, which again, I'm watching the. Um, this movie, I watched one of the Batman movies, and I'm like, why do you bring your kid down a dark alley in Gotham? What kind of parenting is that? That makes no sense. Anyway, so they take him, so they go down this alley. This one criminal named Joe Chill comes up, robs them, and kills both of Batman's parents. He goes to jail, but that one experience shaped how Bruce Wayne is going to spend the rest of his life. Because from there, um, so, so Bruce Wayne was, I think, 10 at the time. So he, yeah, I believe it's 10. So he grows up a little more, leaves the house, and then falls in with this group called the League of Assassins, which t- teaches, or League of Shadows, depending on the continuity you're talking about. So... And, and if you've seen the Christopher Nolan Batman Begins movie, that's just kind of that was kind of comically accurate. I say kind of because those movies were not exactly accurate to the comics. What you have here is so Batman. I mean Bruce Wayne at this point, he trains, and, and it's from there he gets all of his stealth skills and hand-to-hand combat skills. Uh, actually, not necessarily the hand-to-hand combat skills, but the stealth skills he gets from there, and some of his fighting skills. The, the other stuff he, he picked up along the way from taking classes and like getting his 28 master's degrees. But anyway, so he returns home. And so he's trying to figure out how do I help this, uh, this town, Gotham, this city, Gotham. What happens is, so one day, one night, he was, he was um, drinking whiskey, as all rich dudes do. In his in his little study, also a bat flies right into the window. And he looks at it. And he's like, because bats were actually uh, in the Nolan uh, movies, and I believe this is accurate. He says bats frighten me. So what he did is is he decides. Yeah, she says yes, father. I will become a bat. So that's why he became Batman. He knew if he was afraid of bats, and chances are a lot of people are afraid of bats. So he figured. I might as well be, become fear itself, kind of. So he f- figured, oh, what the heck, that's a good idea. So he became Batman. He did his whole thing. He accumulated all that awesome tech, which, by the way, he gets from his own company, Wayne Tech, because uh, he's got a friend named Lucius Fox who knows he's Batman. Uh, Lucius runs the Applied Sciences portion of Wayne Tech, which is basically the armory, if you will. And... Um, so it's it's exactly like it was in the Nolan movies where Bruce would go up to to um 
to um to Lucius Fox in the interest of plausible deniability. He'd like lie on what he needed this for, uh, what he needs this gear for. Like he'll go, uh, I need something for like skydiving, and that's how he got his cape. So anyway, so he this is around the time he takes up Robin to be his ward. Robin was uh, Robin, or as we know at the time, Dick Grayson. By the way. I mentioned the Dark Knight Returns earlier. That was written by Frank Miller. Just want to make sure I got the the um, author in there. So anyway, what you got here is so it, it, Dick Grayson's parents uh, and his parents are acrobats in the circus. So one day, one performance, the mob kills um, Grayson's entire family. So Batman takes pity on him because, after all, like I just said, Batman went through that entire experience himself. So he takes him in, starts to train him to be Robin, and then he, he becomes Robin. They have lots of great adventures together, and then Robin became kind of, uh, I guess, disillusioned, per se, and he wanted to be his own hero. So that's where you get him leaving Batman and becoming Nightwing. So the next Robin's name was Jason Todd. And this kid was much more aggressive than, than Dick was. So he, he often um, sort of was against Batman's no killing rule. And that'll come to a head in the, red, in the Under the Red Hood storyline, which I'm getting into now. So the Joker, Batman's main villain, actually kills... Uh, Kills Jason Todd. Which, by the way, when that happened, that was actually like uh, the, the DC Comics actually had the audience vote: should we kill Dick Grayson because he wasn't he wasn't as popular a Robin as uh, should we kill Jason Todd because he wasn't as popular a Robin as Dick Grayson was. So what happened was they voted to kill him, uh, but it, it, it DC always intended to bring him back, so they kill him. He gets put in. I mean, so, so the Joker kills him. And Batman believes he's dead. He moves on. So Jason Todd's body is is retrieved and put into a Lazarus pit, which basically think of it as the DC version of the Fountain of Youth. It's basically what that is, except it brings people. It can bring people back to life, but they come back kind of um, let's say loony. I think it's the best word. Or uh, actually, here's a more accurate word: insane. They come back insane. So he comes back. And he starts this massive like uh, uh, campaign against crime. Like he's dropping bodies, and he he's he's against Batman's no killing rule and also no gun rule because but Batman has this whole thing against using guns, which I know the ire of people who watch the Dark Knight who read the Dark Knight Rises or the um not, uh, not Rises the uh, Dark Knight Returns. I have to keep like remembering that those are two different things and uh batman v superman because he uses a he uses kind of guns in that but i'll, I'll get to that but anyway so what you have is he butts heads with batman again and then batman shocked to find out jason todd's alive um todd basically says hey listen your way of doing things isn't working is gotham improved is it and you see under the red hood who kind of takes over all the crime gangs he says hey you have to work with these criminals. And when we do, crime goes down. And we saw that crime's going down in Gotham, which kind of makes you wonder, reading all these stories, is Batman really doing all he can to, to sort of minimize crime? Because if you notice, again, statistics don't lie. Jason Todd is kind of right when you think about it. 
from a certain point of view, as Obi-Wan Kenobi said, I know this is that's Star Wars, but whatever. Eventually, Jason Todd and Batman kind of came to a mutual understanding and they kind of became allies to an extent. And then you have the uh, then you have Tim Drake, who actually became Red Robin. He's his own superhero. He leads the Teen Titans in the comics. Not necessarily the TV show. I think that was still Dick Grayson. But anyway. And then Batman's son, Damien, becomes uh, so uh, a Batman and the leader of the League of Shadows' daughter have a kid. His name is Damien. Batman had no idea he had a son. So he takes Damien in, and Damien becomes New Robin. Damien, like Jason, is kind of loose on the no-kill rule and is very brutal because he was raised by assassins. But eventually Batman shows him, hey, in fact, they mention this one line in Justice League Dark Apocalypse War where uh, Damien says, uh, basically takes Batman's lesson to heart and says, uh, justice over vengeance. It's kind of, it's Batman kind of had this line because he said, vengeance is never going to solve anything. In fact, Batman has this, has this line that I like. It says, if you kill a murderer, the number of murderers in the world remains the same. Which I know that's kind of a simplistic way of looking at it, but eh, he's got a point. Anyway, so now I'm going to get to how he relates to the Justice League. So, as I mentioned before, in the new 52, which I'm going off of because that's kind of the current continuity we're operating under, he's tracking what's called a parademon, which is basically the soldiers for for this intergalactic, uh, interdimensional warlord named Darkseid. So he's tracking this parademon. Then Green Lantern shows up, and I love this interaction. Because Green Lantern sees him, he's like, oh my gosh, you're real? So then they chase the parademon into the sewers. And Green Lantern, Hal Jordan's like, okay, so can you fly? Batman's like, no. Super strength? Batman's like, no. And then Green Lantern's like, wait, you're not just some dude in the bat costume, are you? And then Batman just smirks at him. So Green Lantern's like, oh, come on. Are you kidding me? I just love that interaction. It's one of the best lines in comics and in animated movies. So uh, they they find the Parademon who self-destructs, or yelling, Hail Darkseid, uh, basically Hail Darkseid, Dark kind of like Hail Hydra. So they decide, let's go to Metropolis, because the thing is obviously um, alien, so let's just go see if Superman knows what it's, what it's about. Anyway, this is the first time Superman and Batman have met in this current continuity. So they arrive in Metropolis, and Superman's not in the talking mood, per se. He kind of... Um, kind of attacks them because he doesn't know who they are. So he attacks Batman and then it's like, it's kind of funny. He's holding Batman against the wall. And he goes, so what can you do? Uh, basically that's it. And then, um, so if finally they're able to get uh, Superman to like stop attacking and they come up with a plan. They fight dark side. And then the, um, the, the day is saved. I'm going to do a, an analysis of the just league origin comic in a later episode. So I can get into more detail on the stuff. So, uh, what uh, a particular relationship that I want to draw highlights to is Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman, because these three are known as the DC Trinity, meaning they're the three most popular superheroes, possibly in, in of all time. I'm willing to debate that. I, I, I'd say they are. 
They're also my three favorite superheroes, as I mentioned episode in episode one. But see, they actually addressed this in the Trinity the Trinity series. They see those three are like the the heart and soul of the Justice League, if you will, because when you think about it, Superman re- represents hope. Wonder Woman represents truth because she has the lasso of truth, and Batman re- represents a, a ju- justice, if you will, or or to, to be more exact, kind of vengeance. Because when you think about it, Batman is just taking revenge on the criminals for hurting his his parents, or for killing his parents. But anyway, so you have that, so you have that relationship, and then you have. Batman's relation with Alfred, because actually, Alfred is, is, is the butler of the Wayne family. What you see is common in every single iteration of Batman. He's very, um, he is basically the the father for Bruce Wayne. Because remember, his fa- Bruce Wayne's father was killed by Joe Chill in that crime alley when Bruce was 10. So Alfred had to raise him. Essentially, he's always been the voice of reason for Batman, which is why it was so tragic in, in the Injustice comics when Superman has him killed. Because remember, Superman's evil in that in that iteration and because when you see it and it's actually addressed in the dark knights um metal series with the murder machine batman which i'll address uh later on where batman is kind of um where batman is um it he relies on alfred to let him know am i actually making um a progress in this being Batman, am I actually making a difference? And then uh, you can see Alfred's like, "Yeah, you are," because people are a little safer knowing Batman's still out there. And seeing that bat signal up there, that's a deterrence. They definitely address that in the Nolan Batman movies, which I love. This like where the bat signals up, and they're about to like break into this car. These criminals are about to break into this car. You see the bat signal up, and I'm like, "Nope, I'm not doing that. Nope, I'm done." Because they know Batman catches you, you're about to get pummeled. Now, what I would like to address now is how was he portrayed in other mediums? And then we actually have a special guest coming on to talk about the Chris, the uh, not Christopher Nolan, the um, uh, Michael Keaton Batman from the Batman movie. And we are going to talk. About, it's a Tim Burton Batman. We're going to talk about th- that movie, how it portrays Batman, and so on. So uh, that'll be uh, later on in the episode, but. So let's talk about the Batman v Superman, uh, Batman, Batman, played by Ben Affleck. What I liked about that Batman is, first off, he didn't have the the crazy voice. Like, what, what kind of tur- kind of turned me off to Christopher Nolan's Batman is like w- where he had that weird like throat cancer voice. Like, where were the other drugs going? I was always like, okay, dude, that's that's kind of on the, that's kind of going overboard, don't you think? Whereas. BVS, he actually has a kind of a voice changer in his cowl, so it actually makes him sound like intimidating and robotic per se. And in terms of the killing rule, so that Batman actually kills people, and actually they were going to address this in the Snyder Cut, which they're going to when they do the movie. Batman doesn't really like killing. He still he still kills people, but that's showing because at that point he's been doing this for 20 years. And as he said, uh, he, he actually admits that, hey, we're criminals, Alfred. You've always been criminals. With this, and he kind of says, when he talks about Superman, he's like, guys always start off good, but then somewhere down the line, they get corrupted. 
So there's that. And then see what other Batmans can we talk about? Let's talk about the Justice League cartoon Batman. Because what I loved about that is is um he was always like the sort of smug asshole of the team, kind of, because you had like there was the one episode where they have to reveal their secret identities to each other and Flash is like, Hey, I trust you guys, but I'm not sure if I should if I trust you enough with my identity so that Batman shows up and he, and he just goes down the line. He's like, uh, Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne, Wally West, John Jones, John Stewart, Diana Prince. And he just kind of names off everyone's thing. So good. And there was one where he, he shoots down Wonder Woman because they were trying to force a Wonder Woman Batman romance. But then he's like, you're a, an Amazonian princess with magical power, with like super strength and all that stuff. I'm a rich kid with issues. That would never work. I'm like, that is just so good. And about, that was the Batman from the Batman animated series. They all exist in that same DCAU universe. So then you have the, I'm going to talk about the Justice League Doom Batman, which was the one that was portraying the Justice League Tower of Babel comic. Because this particular storyline, I mean, they kind of changed it for the movie. But so, in the comic, Rachel Ghoul cripples the Justice League because what Batman has on his computer is contingency plans in case any of the League members ever went rogue. Like Superman has, it's like a kryptonite bull, a bullet for Super. No, actually, in the comics, it was a particular type of kryptonite that would turn Superman's skin translucent. Thus, he's bombarded with um, solar radiation. For Wonder Woman, it was these na- these little nanobots that would latch onto her brainstem and make her think she was in a fight until, so she would fight until her heart gave out. So it's a way of taking out the, the Justice League by addressing all their, all of their um, weaknesses. And these were all made by Batman in case the Justice League ever went rogue. So um, Rachel Gould takes, uh, gets those plans. Eventually, obviously, his plans are, are uh, thwarted. And then the movie, it was Rachel, it was, um, not Rachel Gould, it was Vandal Savage, who who takes out the league again, they kind of changed the weaknesses for the different heroes. Like they had a kryptonite bullet for Superman. Same thing with Wonder Woman. The, the Wonder Woman thing was fine. Flash was there was a bomb bolted to his wrist. If he slowed down, it would go off. For Green Lantern, it was just either to dose him with the fear toxin to make him think he wasn't worthy of being a Green Lantern. Martian Manhunter was the same thing because it just basically lit him on fire because he's weak to fire as Martians are. And then uh, let me see, who else? Who else was a good one? Who else was a good one? I'm trying to think. I know I'm missing one. Uh, the, the Wonder Woman thing was pretty much the exact thing. Anyway, so, so what that shows is that Batman doesn't even trust his uh, Justice League teammates. I mean, he, he's kind of uh, best friends with Soup, but he, he doesn't really have a, a distinct trust with any of the League members, which has actually been a defining moment of his character and actually causes him in the Tower of Babel and in Justice League Doom to be voted out of the Justice League. Because here's the thing. The League wasn't so much upset with Batman for creating these contingency plans. They were upset that he didn't tell anyone, that didn't tell them that, that he had these plans. Which, I guess they're, they have a point there, but the thing is, playing the devil's advocate, say that the League went rogue and they know that Batman has these plans. They're just going to target Batman immediately, take him out, and then just wreak havoc. So I can see why Batman wouldn't want to tell anyone that he has these plans, but still, they are his teammates. It's kind of an interesting debate there. So let me see. 
you have let's talk a little bit about interesting storylines that that um, Batman was involved in. You have uh, most recently, and it's my favorite Batman story, The Dark Knight's Metal. Where you have so basically, you, um, you have the multiverse, but then on the flip side, you have the the dark multiverse. So basically, the multiverse is all the different Earths that inhabit, and they're kind of d- different from all the different. Uh, this different slightly from all the different worlds because you have like Earth, uh, like say Earth three is where, all, where is where the Just League's evil per se. So, uh, but the neg, but the dark multiverse is where everything that can go wrong has gone wrong, and it centers around Batman. Like you have one where the where Batman's entire uh, all all of Batman's friends are killed, so he wants to use the Flash to go back in time and save them. But what happens is that he ends up killing the flash and then becoming the flash himself. And that he's called the red death. You have one where he becomes the God of war where Batman becomes doomsday and kills Superman. You have one where Batman's a girl and she becomes aqua, uh, basically Aquaman, uh, the aqua bat, like a lot of different story, a lot of different iterations of Batman and all the different justice league and the entire dark multiverse. Then what you have is, is I mentioned Tower of Babel. Those are the two I'm going to mention now because I have to get to our guest to discuss the Tim Burton Batman movie. But we will be readdressing this character at a later date. I hope to do that. We're going to talk. We're going to have a episode. Where we talk about him in the Trinity, which again is Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. We may do one with him and talk about him and the Joker, the classic hero villain archetype. But we'll do. Yeah, we'll address that. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed, and then let's get to our guest, because we're about to talk about one of the most iconic Batman movies of all time. All right, hope to see you there. All right, continuing on this Epic discussion of Batman. We have my friend Steven to talk about the Tim Burton Batman movie. Steven, how you doing? Good. Thank you for having me. Hey, anytime. So, about this movie. First impressions, I just recently watched it um, after like a long time absence. And I've never seen Batman use so many guns. <laughs> really? Yeah, because, I mean, in Batman v Superman, I, I got a pretty much all of his vehicles had guns, but it's just like, he's not only guns, he's firing straight up rockets out of that Batwing. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I think it's probably, in my opinion, it's probably the best interpretation of the Batwing. Like, it's probably even better than BBS because I can't, like the Batwing in that movie, it kind of just like, this This Batwing in uh, Tim Burton's movie has a lot more personality, I think. Yeah, and it's it so much more personality. More, it seems more Batman because when you notice, when you look at the Batwing from BBS, it didn't really look like a bat. No, I mean, I just, uh, I just love how like uh, they had that one scene where, where like he, he's about to stray for the Joker, and the Joker's like, "Come at me, bro! Come at me, bro!" And that reminded me, c- coming from guy, uh, a guy that watched The Dark Knight, they actually had that scene where Batman's on the motorcycle, he's, he's about to ram the Joker, and I'm like, "Oh, that's where you got that from." Yeah, that's that's where I feel like don't people don't understand about Batman. Tim, the Tim Burton's Batman is that it, it inspired so much media and inspired oh, yeah. uh, the dark Knight and inspired you. You've ever seen the, the animated series. 
a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it was that. That's we would not have had that series if it wasn't for the Tim Burton movie. Well, there you go. No, we wouldn't have. There you go. That's some good stuff. So, I, so one of my favorite things about this movie when I was watching it is how is how much we go into Wayne Manor because when you notice, even in the Nolan movies, we don't really get to hang out in Wayne Manor that much. We're like, it's like that one scene where the two reporters are walking around. And like the, they see all this armor on the walls, and then Bruce Wayne's just like stalking up behind them. Yeah, he's like, "What's up?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I love the scene where uh, the Joker is walking around. The, well, not the Joker at this point because he's Jack Napier. Mm-hmm. He, he's literally walking around the chemical factory, and Batman's following him like some kind of stalker. That's the thing with that's the thing with like the Dark Knight. I, I mean, I love the Dark Knight, but like, like everything in the Dark Knight is like almost like it feels almost too realistic in a way because well, like yeah because what they're trying to do is ground it in modern warfare and all that stuff but it's like okay yeah i love how you use modern warfare there <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know right <laughs> yeah so, but and, uh and for my next trick batman uses tear gas oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah <laughs> yeah um so <laughs> so yeah like the city and got and the Tim Burton movie has so much more personality. You notice that, right? Yeah. So right, much more noticed, personality. Speaking of, of the city, the movie opens up with these parents are bringing their kids down a dark alley. And I'm like, oh, this is re- I, I, I figured out really quick it wasn't Bruce Wayne. But what's kind of funny is that the movie opens up kind of mirroring Batman's origin story, which you've seen 80 freaking times already. Right. It's just one of those things where I was like, oh, that's actually pretty clever. But I just love, I love, by the way, what's kind of funny is uh, how stiff Batman is because of the suit. Yeah. <laughs> like, so... and, and speaking of the suit, probably my favorite suit of the whole franchise of, in terms really? of the movies. Yeah. It, it's actually my favorite one. Oh, that's cool. And let me, let me explain why. Because it's, it's like, it's very theatrical. Mm-hmm. Which Batman is supposed to be theatrical if you like if you would read the comics or watch the TV shows. Batman is supposed to be like very theatrical, mm-hmm. just like not just Batman himself, but the whole series. So mm-hmm. I like what they did with that. It's very dark and mysterious. And also they... one thing, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. One particular thing I really like though, like you know you know on the back of his cowl, like you have like ridges on the back of his cowl. Yeah. That, that I love that. That is amazing. I wish I wish they would do that a lot more. Mm-hmm. You know speaking those ridges. It looks made look a bad. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of theatricality, I love how in, in Batman Begins, Rachel Gould is like t- talking about well, well, theatricality is a good thing. And then it's like when uh, Rach first sees Batman in the Bat series, like, well, well, you took my comment about theatricality a bit, um, literally. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the whole essence of Batman is that he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be intimidating, and he's well, supposed yeah. to be like a theatrical sort of figure, which I think Tim Burton's movie really caught on to that because you notice how Batman did you when you watched it? Did you notice how Batman he barely said any words when he was fighting crime? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. He was, he was yeah. much quieter than like previous Batman. Uh, I mean, previous that I've seen, like he's way quieter than the Nolan Batman. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's that's one thing that kind of separates. Michael Keaton's Batman from uh, Christian Bale's Batman for me is that like Michael Keaton didn't have to talk to scare p- criminals. Mm-hmm. 
Like, he, he didn't have to say a word. He would just walk up to them, and they would be scared shitless. One thing that I really liked at the beginning of the movie was those two guys talking on the roof. Yeah. That, that, set, up, that set up really good story, and that set up yeah, yeah. The, the character, yeah. And like, really, right really behind well. them. Uh, but I love how, kind of, when you notice uh, the, how they keep introducing Batman, how, like, all of a sudden he'll drop down, then he'll just raise the, the, the entire caping to look like an actual Oh, my bat. God, yes. That, that actually looks scary. I was like, oh, yes. my gosh. Like, and that, well done, sir. And not even, not even just that, but like when he gets shot down by the two criminals, they think he's dead. They walk away. All of a sudden, <laughs> he gets back yes. up. Yeah, I love that part. <laughs> I'm like, I'm back. <laughs> that, yeah, that part's amazing. You think a dude in his pr- profession would have like Kevlar under his suit? <laughs> yeah, or, or which, like which I think really. Yeah, which I think he, which I think he actually does have Kevlar on yeah. there, under there. That Kevlar. Yeah, it's some kind of body armor. He's human but after all. I will say the Batmobile in this movie is actually one of my favorites because I love that one thing where it yes. like, where like armors up. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, lo- I love the Batmobile. It's kind of funny. I was playing Arkham Knight uh, earlier and you can use the Tim Burton suit and the Tim Burton Batman. Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, and, 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 and the Batmobile. So I'm driving around in a Tim Burton mobile. I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah i love that like and you're driving around the set it looks exactly like the movie yeah i know exactly and, like, you, and if you notice what they did well in that game is that when you hop in the batmobile the hatch opens exactly as it does in the movie you can hop into the batmobile i didn't know that in arkham knight because in arkham knight you can pretty much explore all of gotham in the batmobile like and what they did is they jammed in so much batman in there like you can use the adam west batmobile I thought I thought you can only use the the standard Batmobile that you can shoot guns out of and crap. Well, once you beat the game, you can free roam in like any of the Batmobiles. Really? Yeah, I yeah, did yeah. Not, I did not know that. I'm, I'm, it's I'm, like, I'm driving that now. Yeah, it's like I'm driving around the Batman v Superman Batmobile. Unfortunately, if it's not the Batmobile that transforms into a roided out tank, you can't shoot any of the guns. But it's still oh. super cool to just drive around the BVS Batmobile. Oh my god, yeah. That's anyway, that sounds so going awesome. back to the movie. Yeah. So, so going back to the movie, what I thought was kind of interesting is that how loose this Batman is with his whole no killing rule, because if you notice, that was one of the critiques of BBS because people are always like, Well, Batman has never killed. I'm like, there's Tim Burton. <laughs> have you not have you not seen Tim? I think he even knocked a couple of guys off a rooftop at some point. Yeah, he does. I'm like, like Oh one. my gosh. There's that yeah, you remember that one part in uh, Access Chemicals? Like, he, he literally tosses Joker in a fat of acid. Yeah, no wonder he hates him. And there's something interesting about that scene that's been, like, kind of theorized mm-hmm. or something like that. Like, when he's holding Jack from mm-hmm. the, the, what would you call it, the girder or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, you notice how Batman was staring at him? Yeah. They're, they're saying that that might have been a realization that that Jack was the the his parents' killer. But the only problem oh, yeah. with that is the only problem with that is is that yeah. later on in the movie he then figures out. So, which that's kind of a departure from the comic because in the comics there was a dude named Joe Chill. But I'm allowed to. But I'll allow that because it's such an awesome movie. Yeah. But what I also love, by the way, is how this movie effectively establishes when in Batman's career this is taking place. Because if you notice. The GCPD doesn't trust Batman. 
like, in fact, hates him. It's only at the end of the movie wh- where we have the bat signal for the first time. Yeah. And then you have uh, one of my favorite, like, stock characters in the movie. You, you know uh, Eckhart? Yeah, I think so, yeah. The, the dirty cop who's supposed to be Bullock. Yeah. 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 It's all right, all right, all right. But what I love, by the way, is I, I know this kind of took place before Harley Quinn, but that blonde girl that was always around Joker, I kind of thought, oh, is that you, Harley? And then I realized, <laughs> oh, yeah, this is way before. Because we know yeah, she th- acted a lot like Harley. Yeah. Th- that was probably your inspiration for Harley, like a small, like, inspiration for Harley Quinn. I, w- oh, I would I'm bet you sure money. It took, I'm sure it, it, at some point that that was inspired. Yeah, for right. sure. I love, by the way, how this get, how this movie, uh, when there was a gunfight, they still commit the Hollywood sin of no one taking cover. <laughs> They're just standing yeah. in the middle of nowhere, just shooting, and, and everyone admits I'm like, what? That wouldn't happen in real life. By the way, which, which version did you watch? The 4K version or the standard Blu-ray? I watched the DVD version. Oh, because, because I've heard, like, the 4K version, they make it, like, too blue or something like that. Oh. Uh, yeah, I didn't yeah. see that. Uh, yeah, I, I know that in the past, Batman has kind of had a blue cape and cowl. I kind of uh, like the black. Yeah. Uh, oh, I love black, yeah. Black, Being he's black, a fits Bat- black fits Batman so much better. Yeah, I mean, blue, like because I, you know, it's supposed to be the dark knight. It's not even a dark blue. It's like a, like a, like if you look at, at the Super Friends Batman, I'm like, oh, come on, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we don't, I don't want the Adam West style blues mm-hmm. and greens and yellows like i prefer yeah, I, more i prefer more like black and yellow like that kind of color scheme mm-hmm. i like that more but i will say i'm gonna kind of get, get off topic a little bit talking about my movies but i watched the movie adaptation for the dark knight returns last night and that was that was amazing it, it, that um a bad costume was pretty it was pretty great yeah that one that one expired that one inspired bbs by the way I think. Yeah, I know because you had the ginormous bat, then you had the the armored suit, which was like I love how the armored suit, as opposed to in BVS, it actually made like noises when he would move. I was like, oh, it's yeah. way better. What are you talking yeah. about here? So, anyway, so let's see. We have. I, so I I do will say I love the twist where it turns out that Jack Napier killed uh, Bruce's parents. Yeah, a lot of so fans it kind of intertwines those two. Yeah. A lot of fans didn't like that, though. Well, here's the thing of, about like, comic book fans. Comic fans, yeah. Here's the thing about comic book fans. We hate it when people change things. Yeah. I mean, um, the, the change in appearance for Aquaman, that's the one time the fans were totally okay with it. That's, like, the one time. Okay, so, so let's give Aquaman a beard and long hair and tattoos. Okay, we're good. Yeah, that, that, that change was desperately needed. Desperately needed. Because twenty seven, I saw twenty seventeen. The year Aquaman joke died. <laughs> yeah, that Aquaman was a joke before that movie. It was Thanks a joke. Super friends. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so let's see. Let's see what else can we talk about that movie. Well, once again, I love how like how so like uh, but I love how big the Batcave was because when he like drives up in the Batmobile. There's like this big chasm. I'm like, what the hell, man? Oh my, oh my god, dude, that reminds me. Like the, the music. Mm-hmm. That that was. They actually used a little bit of that theme in in uh in JL when they had the Batmobile show up. Well, a lot yeah. of people didn't like it, but I was like, oh, okay, I see what they're doing there. 
yeah, I love, I love Danny Elfman's music, man. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially, especially when he's driving with Vicky to the Batcave. Oh, yes. By the way, I, I, um, I will bet you money that that inspired the scene in Batman Begins where he's driving Rachel to to the Batcave for yes. the antidote to the fear toxin. Because it was like I was, I'm watching this. I'm like, oh, did I, am I seeing this right now? <laughs> yeah. Although the Batmobile is less tank-ish. Oh God, I, I, I hated the Nolan Batmobile. Oh, oh really? I'll be real, yeah. I didn't like it. Why? It 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 just departed way too much from the concept of a Batmobile. Like it looked. I can. Yeah. It looked like a. It looked like a military tank. That's you know I, who it could not... have worked for. It could have been a car for Red Hood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, kind of maybe because it's a little more like uh, militaristic. But yeah, I see what you're saying. It's let it it doesn't have as as big of an identity as a Batmobile. Yeah, because because here's my point about that. If you could, like, if you can make if you could put camo on it, like in the Dark Knight Rises, and make it indistinguishable from any other military car, then it's not really a Batmobile. Mm-hmm. It's it's no. it's just not. Mm-hmm. You you can't call that a Batmobile. What do you think of the BBS Batmobile? It, it was a it was a good it was a good design. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 brought back the whole concept of a Batmobile. It brought back it brought back some of the the things that a Batmobile should have, like the front. Yeah, like yes, sleek. Maybe a few machine guns in the front. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it. it yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. It was a little more Batmobile esque, and I know that in Justice League it got a little bit more to- less away from the car and more toward an artillery gun. But I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, th- there's the, the J- Joker k- killing Batman's parents. Is always like, oh, I actually forgot about that part in the movie because I hadn't seen it for so long. Yeah. I love that one scene where it's at the the dinner party and Bruce is like putting all of his uh, his drinks on tables and then Alfred comes up behind him and just takes him back up like he's cleaning up after Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yeah. What do you, what did you what did you think about Bruce Wayne in this movie? Did you like the Bruce Wayne that they did in this? Oh, I loved him. There's that one scene where he goes, "You want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts." <laughs> you, you know the Prince song, "Let's Get Nuts." Yeah, yeah. That they literally did that line because of that song, because mm-hmm. there was it, Prince and the production team had like a big partnership, I guess. So mm-hmm. every yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Like there was it. a there was a lot of Prince songs in the movie. Like Prince, like you don't even know. Like there was so much stuff going on with Prince and Batman. You ever heard Bat Dance? Uh, no. Oh well, you should because ugh. <laughs> oh my god. Like, I've seen the clip from the the Adam West Batman where he's dancing. Is that it? No, no, that's not it. There's an actual uh, song by Prince called "Bad Dance." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll check that out. But yeah, but let's, let's see what else we got. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, uh, Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne. I thought he was really good. Very different take on him. He was very like socially awkward. Like he, yeah, like he kind of wanted. Well, which, I mean. If you really think about it, that kind of is the essence of Bruce Wayne in a way. Yeah. Because, like, Bruce yeah. Wayne, like, he he likes to be the playboy, but he also is kind of a recluse, too, because of well, yeah, his life. But, and, yeah, Batman has always been a recluse, and you see this a lot with his interactions with the other Justice League members. Because if you see, 
he doesn't really wholly trust anyone or like open up to anyone, which was kind of brought to a head when they found out he has plans that, that, that could neutralize any of them if they ever went evil. It's like, yeah, yeah but I agree with you. It definitely, uh, he definitely conveyed that whole, hey, I don't know how to socially interact because on my nights, I'm, I'm, I'm basically punching criminals in the face. Yeah. And I'm trying to hide my identity. Which, by the way, in Batman Returns, to... you noticed something. Did you watch Batman Returns 2 or no? No, I didn't yet. Well, there's a there's a scene in Batman Returns where he and Selina Kyle, like, oh, I don't boy. know if I'm spoiling this for you, but uh, there's a scene you with... Go ahead. I thought years ago. There, yeah, but there's a scene with them in a costume ball, and they're, like, there's these people with masks. It's like a, it's like a masquerade ball. They're, mm-hmm. He and Selina Kyle are the only ones not wearing masks. <laughs> Way to stand out. Yeah. Because what I love isn't that the Selena Kyle who basically licked Batman? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that I got one. nightmares Michelle from that Pfeiffer. one. I got nightmares from that one. Michelle Pfeiffer. I got nightmares from that one, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just really that, yeah, I was just thinking that movie kind of scared me because like it, it, doesn't Penguin bite off some dude's nose in that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt that was kind of. Uh, it, it, I mean, they captured the characters well. Just the only one that they didn't do well was with Catwoman. I was like, uh, she's not gonna lick Batman. I got <laughs> that's not gonna happen. <laughs> and and the bat nips don't work. Okay. Oh yeah, that that was Batman Forever. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't talk about or, we don't talk about Joel Schumacher's contributions. Okay. Yeah. We don't talk yeah. About or those. in, in uh, or in Batman and Robin, the bat credit card. Uh, bat credit I'm like, card. You might, I'm like, you might as well just pull out the, the, the bat shark repellent and just get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They made a joke about that, by the way, in the Lego Batman movie where like, Robin's running on the bat, uh, the, the bat cave um, to touching stuff. He takes out the bat sh- shark repellent and, and then Batman's like, oh, actually, you can go ahead and play with that. It does nothing. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> One thing I love, by the way, I love seeing Lando Carissian as, uh, as, as uh, basically Two Face. Yeah, yeah. Why did they get rid of yeah, him? I was like, oh, why man. did they get rid of him? I have no idea. Because they, they replaced... yeah, I thought he was good as Harvey Dent. They replaced him with Tommy Lee Jones, which I mean, I like Tommy Lee Jones. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but like, my God, dude, I like I don't that think one. He really, yeah. I don't think Tommy Lee Jones really captured Two Face that well. No, not at all. Yeah. I think the other guy did well. I also did, didn't think Jim Carrey was the right choice for the Riddler. Uh, well, um, I mean, well, I, that one's kind of mixed for me. The Joker, maybe. But it's like the Riddler. Uh, well, maybe maybe it's probably because I can't. I've never really seen anybody else play Riddler. So it's kind of like he's the only one I got. So That's true. That's true. Yeah. But he uh, certainly so got the outfit else. down right. <laughs> Oh yeah, the outfit was great. Yeah, they got well. Let me put it this way: as much as I can't stand those two actors and those characters, it's better than Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mister Freeze. Oh my god, I still see you. <laughs> you might want to chill. All right, everyone, chill. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, allow me to break uh, the ice. Getting back to. So getting back to the Batman. All right, let me ask you: What was your favorite part of the movie? Mm, there's a, there's a lot. Probably, probably the rooftop scene. 
at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I have two. My, the first time he says, I'm Batman. Yes. That is, that is iconic. That, that's always an iconic. Yeah. That's always an iconic part they have there. And then my second favorite part is where he's fighting the Joker and he's in the Batwing and then he just strafes all, all the Joker's henchmen. Yeah. Because that was the one moment where I'm like, oh, this is not like the Batman from like the cartoons. This is not cartoon Batman. Yeah. I like I liked the beginning of the movie more than the, the, the last half. Mm-hmm. Because the beginning like set up a lot, a lot of atmosphere, and it was like very dark and like, mm-hmm. like sketchy. Like I, I like mm-hmm. that mood a, a lot more than the second half, honestly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that worked. Every every part of the movie is good. It's just I like the first half a lot more. Yeah, probably. A lot of it was a lot of setup, like a lot of world building. That's what I liked about it. That's what mm-hmm. I like about this movie. There's a lot of world building. Well, yeah, because when you notice Gotham. City itself is a character in every Batman story. Yeah, every Batman story has has Gotham City as a character. That's that's the one thing. That's the one thing I kind of didn't like about uh, the Dark Knight movies. And I mean, I love the Dark Knight movies. Don't get me wrong, but like the city in that is is it's just that it's the city. Yeah, it it feels like it's like regular Chicago, which it literally was regular Chicago. It was Chicago. My problem with the with the Nolan Batman movies is that they strayed from the comics like miles away. Like for one thing, the Batmobile. For another thing, the fact that Talia Al Ghul wants to kill Bruce Wayne. Uh, no, no, that is not the way it works. That's the complete opposite. Yeah, because she she wants Batman to rule at her side. Yeah. The the whole ending of Dark Knight Rises was horrible, except for like the yeah. very end. That's why don't you use your real name, Robin? I was like, my god, dude, you couldn't have just said Dick, and we would have gotten it. That been like okay. That whole thing was so contrived, dude. Like I don't even. But I'm like, like have least... you ever read a Batman comic? At least say his name is Richard. I would have gotten. Yes. Oh, okay. I see what they're doing there. Yes. Instead, they decided to call him Blake. Like, really, dude? And then his first name is Robin. They could have just said, uh, they could have, uh, have actually said uh, uh, Richard, Jason, Damien, or, or Tim. And I would have been like, oh, okay, cool. That's, that's cool. Yeah. They're for, for spinning in Robin. And I'm like, have you ever read? There were many times when I was watching these movies where I'm, where I'm like, have you ever read a Batman? I'm the Joker, he nailed. Nailed the Joker. Uh, I, I will say that also. I think the Joker in T- Tim Burton's Batman was flawlessly done. Yeah. They oh saved, my gosh. They saved Bane, too. They saved Bane. Yeah. Bane, Bane was a joke before Dark Knight Rises. Yo, it was yeah. a joke. I will say, even though Bane is not Spanish in The Dark Knight Rises, because he's supposed to be Spanish, they, yeah, 100% they, they nailed this character, because that's what he's supposed to do. First off, he knows Bruce Wayne's Batman. And then he, he's supposed to be this tactically thinking guy, not a mindless brute like in Batman or Robin. Yeah. I'm like, Will you come, Will you stop it, dude. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I am how, uh, so uh, let me ask you this. You may have already asked this question. I'm going to uh, answer this question. I'm going to ask you again. Where does this, uh, where does um, a Michael Keaton Batman align on, on the, uh, how would you rate him as a Batman compared to the others? I would, 
Honestly, I would say he's number one. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. He's definitely he's very Batman. Very, yeah, very Batman. Well, I mean, if you were to count, honestly, if you were to count the animated stuff, I would well, say him and yeah. Kevin Conroy are like tied. Con- Conroy, Con- Conroy is the bo- is the boss man. He is Batman. Yeah, he is. Per- personally, so- with me, it's uh, it's it's a uh, Ben Affleck is number one. And ben, then, Affleck? And, ben Affleck's yeah, number then, one for you? Why is yeah, that? And then, because here's why. Because they gave sort of a realistic look at Batman and BVS. And I love that movie. I think it's one of the best ones ever. Because, first off, I like how Batman does not sound like this. Where's the trigger? Instead, he's, they gave him a voice changer. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's sweet. Yeah. I love the bat suit. And the anti-Superman suit. And I like how this Batman... I, I like how this Batman kills people because it shows, and he addresses in the movie, uh, how he's been at this for 20 years and it's actually broken him a little bit. Yeah. And they were actually going to address this in the Snyder Cut, which I believe they are still going to do it because... Uh, I, I, um, uh, by the way, I, I don't think this is kind of a spoiler because you, you could have Googled this for right now. His entire plan has been out on, on Google for years. There was a scene where, so you know the, the kind of four scene in um, in J- Justice League where they kind of hint about him and Wonder Woman, which makes no sense, by the way? Yeah. So what that was supposed to be is Batman saying, hey, I kind of deserve to die because I kill people. Oh, That's what that was supposed <laughs> to be. That's what that was originally supposed to be. That, that sounds so much it. better than what they actually did with yeah, Joss see, Whedon. Here's the thing. I never understood the, bat- the, the people that, that are for ba- Batman and Wonder Woman being a couple because they're completely opposite characters. Well, opposites do attract, Jared. I'm, I mean, <laughs> I was more in favor. Yeah, I was more in favor of the uh, of uh, Superman and Wonder Woman just for the fact that they're both alien like characters and they're both like isolated from everyone else. But yeah. I- I'm going to do a- another episode on that. But the point is, you see, here's here's the problem with Whedon. He, we, well, it may not be necessarily his fault. It could be just Warner Brothers' fault at the time. They were trying to make an Avengers movie. Yeah. You cannot do that. That's why I think all the criticism about BVS being like not like the Avengers, I was like, that's the point. It's DC. Yeah. Anyway, super. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Oh, no. You can go ahead. No, it's, it's like it's super. Because I remember when Wonder Woman came out, I, I, I said this in a previous episode, I was driving to school. And um, I was listening to NPR, and they're talking about Wonder Woman. They're saying they should have made Batman be Superman like Wonder Woman because it was super uplifting. And I'm like, you're talking about a dude that watched his parents die when he was 10 years old. How are you going to make that bright? We're not going back to the Adam West days. Yeah, this is, this is Batman, not the Care Bears movie, okay? Let's, let's chill yeah. with that whole PC stuff, all right? <laughs> yeah, and what I think they were missing is that, yes, different character movies are going to have different tones. Batman's tone is going to be way different than Wonder Woman. Well, I could say, what about Man of Steel? The thing about Man of Steel is that that was showing realistically what would happen if Superman showed up, as opposed to Christopher Reeves, where he shows up and everyone just automatically embraces him with open arms. Like, oh man, you're Superman. Instead of like, this guy's a substantial threat. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, uh, back to your favorite Batman. It's like what you were saying about your favorite Batmans. Yeah, because... What you really, because I like how, okay, here's actually what it is. Because if you notice, 
with Ben Affleck, when he's being Bruce Wayne, and even when he's in the cowl, you see the anger behind Batman. That's part of what makes the warehouse fight scene so amazing, because you're seeing angry Batman, because he's trying to save essentially his mother. That's what the whole Martha thing was, because he's trying to sit, he sees it as a chance to make up for not being able to save his mother. Yeah. That's the whole, uh, that's really the whole Martha thing. It's not like some like thrown off thing to make Batman and Superman friends. Yeah. But it's because I like how, uh, how like, there's a, there are a couple of scenes where you zoom in on Ben Affleck's face and you can see in his face the rage behind Batman. Because remember, Batman's been doing this for 20 years at that point, And Robin's dead because he has the, the suit that says the joke's on you, Batman. Yeah. So this dude has dealt with nothing but loss. And, and and basically aloneness besides besides um besides Alfred. So of course he's gonna be freaking pissed off. Yeah. Plus the fact you have a dude flying around who 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 basically could to quote Batman burn down the world if he wanted to. Yeah. I but so th- that's why he's my number one favorite. And number two would be Keaton. A hundred percent. Number two would be Keaton. Number three. Even though I, I hated the Batman voice, will be Nolan Batman. Yeah. And then number, f- my last favorite, uh, well, not even on my favorite list, would be George Clooney. Oh, no. I'm like, no, no, not even on my on my list is gonna be. No, Batman. no, don't even don't even put him in that position, dude. Put Val Kilmer on there. Clooney doesn't even deserve to be in the top four. All right, yeah, <laughs> Kilmer can be on my list. Yeah. because I remember seeing it. Yeah, I like Kilmer. Yeah. Yeah, no, Kilmer. Kilmer, like a lot of people pointed out that Kilmer yeah. was like TAS Batman, the animated series Batman, kind of. But yeah, he is I mean, kinda I, like I kind of see it, but eh, mm-hmm. a little bit. Actually, I'm gonna f- uh, flip it and put Conroy for four and Kilmer for five. You can. I would. I would put Conroy Bale. above Bale, honestly. Actually, yes, yes, I'm, I'm gonna do that. He's gonna he's gonna be n- number three because. It's it's animated Batman. It's it's Justice League Unlimited Batman. You really can't beat that. No, you cannot. He he's also the Injustice Batman. He's the Arkham Batman. It's like he does all the great Batman performances. Yeah, and like he was even the Batman in the poorly done um, Arrowverse Crisis on Infinite Earths um, crossover, which was in no way accurate to what happened in the comics. Big surprise. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I mean, they made they made Green Arrow, but basically Batman. Yeah, I don't I don't watch those CW shows. They, it's kind of like, I just don't go for anything that seems like like Dawson's Creek. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah, I know. No, Here's, and let me put it this way: not once have they been really comically accurate, with even the characters. Because once again, Green Arrow is supposed to be a jokester, not like a brooding Batman. No, I mean Flash. Flash, they nailed. Uh, as in Barry Allen, yeah, he's pretty much like that. Yeah. Wally West, uh, I'm still a little uh, iffy on the Wally West, but they, they actually had him. He, he was the king. They had the Kingdom Come Batman in that crossover, hmm. and the Kingdom Come Superman. I was like, oh, okay, I can see why you can do that. And it's the Superman Returns Superman guy, the the actor, Brandon Ralph. Root. Brandon Ralph. Yeah, uh, Ralph. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, all right. So, so let me ask you: uh, uh, since this is a Batman qu- question, who's your? Uh, I mean, episode. Who's your favorite Batman villain? Joker. 
Really? Yeah. Yeah, mine too. Not even, not even a second thought, Joker. Mm-hmm. Who's number two? Number two. Hmm. Mine is Deathstroke. Yours is Deathstroke? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of... I would say probably Two-Face is my number two. Yeah, I can see that. He's a, he's a cool guy. Yeah, he's a yeah cool Two-Face, Two-Face is my number two. And then mm-hmm. Penguin... No, uh, not Penguin. Uh, Mr. Freeze for my number three. Because Mr. Freeze, Mr. Freeze is so much more than what Batman and Robin did. He's yeah, so much he's, more. he's so much more than that. Yeah, I mean, if you they should have done it. I mean, I mean, the best performance I saw of Mr. Freeze was in the Arkham series because you see him in that one. He's just trying to get his wife back, or even in the Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. But yeah, Batman and Robin basically made him a joke, and then it's like Poison Ivy. They butchered. Yes. They but basically in Batman v v. Uh, I mean, uh, a Batman and Robin t- t- took all the Batman comics and just flushed them down the toilet. Yeah. Just flushed them down the toilet. I was like, who okayed this? Because they wanted to sell toys! Yeah. By the way, dude, did you know that, that Michael Keaton was actually a controversial casting for Batman, much like Ben Affleck? Yeah. Because he, he, was, in because a, he, he was in some kind of family comedy like a year before. It was called uh, Mr. Mom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A family and comedy. he wasn't the proper, and apparently he wasn't the proper height. Yeah, I was like, okay. Well, I don't really care about the height as long as he's not like, uh, like, significantly shorter or taller. I'm like, okay, man. I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I cared about height, that then they should have made Wonder Woman taller because she's supposed to be like six feet. I mean, maybe she is, but but that's besides the point. This is a Batman episode. Yeah, like, going back to, like, Mr. Freeze from, like, Batman and Robin, like, I didn't mind the suit. The suit was fine. suit was great. Yeah, but it's, it's just everything else. I mean, mm-hmm. it was funny. It was unintentionally funny, and I love that, but it, that was not Mr. Freeze, though. Mm-hmm. It, it just right. it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it, he, he's not, like, making all, all these freezing puns at all. No. no. All right. What's your favorite Batman storyline? Uh, you're talking about the comics, right? Yeah. This is going to be kind of embarrassing to admit, but I'm more of like a movie guy than a comic guy. I'll be honest here. Okay. Yeah. So, That's fine. But it, like if I, we were to go off movies alone, just talking about the storylines in the movies. Okay. I would say probably the Dark Knight has the best storyline, but 89 mm-hmm. is the Me best too. movie. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, well, once again, my number one is is, is BBS because I've already explained that. But yeah, that one, the uh, the Tim Burton's Batman is probably number two. Yeah, and then and then the Dark Knight is number number three, and then Batman Begins is number four. I, I don't put Dark Knight Rises on there because that was like a load of inaccuracies. Yeah, a lot of plot holes too. A lot of people were pointing out a lot of plot holes, like. Huh. Like I get it the, that like Batman can like eject and then swim to shore, but he's carrying a nuke. <laughs> he's gonna have to be flying pretty. He's gonna have to to fly Superman speed in order to get away. Yeah. It's like okay. But the thing is, the thing is though, with that is the ending. The ending really isn't concrete mm-hmm. because because Alfred could have just been imagining him at that dinner table. That's true. Like you don't know. The ending is not really that concrete, so. 
I mean, well, here's the thing. It kind of is because it was just one part where, uh, where remember, the autopilot uh, was kind of down in the bat. That's why you had to bring it out, out to sea. But then you find out uh, uh, later on that, that like Bruce Wayne had like uh, covertly repaired the autopilot. Yeah. yeah. So that's where I'm kind of thinking, okay, he just threw it on autopilot and just jumped out. Hmm. All right, but th- this was, what, what was a good episode. Thanks for coming on and talking about it. Do you have anything you want to plug? Oh, I actually do. Um, so if you guys are, if, any of you guys listening are into more like politics or just talking about current world events or current United States events, you can uh, listen to my podcast, which is called the King of the Elephants podcast. That's on every once in a while. And it's, it's, it's a great show. You should guys should check it out. Um, and of course, listen to this show in the future uh, called uh, Under Two Capes. And I hope you mm-hmm. enjoy listening to this one. And uh, I hope you come over to listen to mine. So have a good one, Jared. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I've heard a, cu- a couple of episodes, and you do some great stuff. Yep. All right, I'll see you, right. brother. Have a good talking to you, buddy. Have a good All right, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode on the Batman. We will be doing one on Superman and, and or Wonder Woman. I may do them both. I still have to figure out how I'm going to do that one. And once we finish the DC Trinity, we will be doing the Marvel Trinity, which would be, I believe, Captain America. Iron Man and Thor, uh, at least the equivalents of the DC Trinity, loose equivalents, mind you. Uh, we're we're going to kind of go by this. We talk about Marvel one week, then DC the next, uh, the, the next group of weeks, if you will. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed that episode, and we look forward to doing more. See you guys later, and remember, uh, the, the multiverse is ever expansive. All right, see you guys.